I, I give you one more crazy story. It was before all that started happening to me. I lived in a town called Yarnell, way up on top of this plateau, man, in Arizona. You would you would head north, like going towards a, a Black Canyon, Rock Springs, and uh, there's a place called Biscuit Flats. You'd take a left, and that would head directly west until you came to a town uh, called Wickenburg, and then you took a right and went headed up in the mountains up onto that plateau. And one particular time, man, I, I had made that left turn. I'm riding directly into this huge, massive Arizona sunset. Brilliant light, man. The sun just seemed huge. But I looked in my rearview mirror, and I could see this most massive black thunder and lightning storm. It was so big, it went from the ground to as high as you could see into the sky. And it was so impressive, I pulled over to look at it. You know, and I was like, wow, man. And it was so dark that the cars going into it would disappear in the darkness and I could feel the wind man and 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 I see the lightning strike in the desert man I thought oh man I need to get out of here before this thing catches up to me man and I, I I'm jamming down the road I must have been doing 75 80 mile an hour and I can't outrun this storm this thing is overtaking me and I'm like what is this man like the wrath of God or something man you know I can't outrun this storm and I, and I came to literally came to the crossroads and I and I either turned left and went back towards that storm or I turned right and went up into the mountains where I lived and I, I rode up in there and I got on near the top of that plateau it was a big turnout and I thought I wonder what that storm looks like from this high up and I pulled over and got off and looked back and there was no storm it was gone and, and, and it was so dark, the cars that went into it would disappear. The sun was so bright over here, these cars would disappear in the light. I now look back on that. I believe for me, I think God was showing me in that moment, this is your last chance. Yeah. I love you so much that I'm going to pursue you relentlessly. But at a certain point, you know, my spirit, what's that say about my spirit ain't going to struggle with man forever? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I, I do believe that that you can come to a point, you know, like in the story about Pharaoh, how he hardened his heart and hardened his heart. Mm. And then finally God said, all right, now I'm going to harden your heart. And when I harden it, there's no coming back from that. Mm. And I really believe for me that God was showing me this is your last chance. If you reject me this time, there's a great darkness that will overcome you. I believe personally that had I said no, had I continued to reject him, I probably wouldn't be here today. You know, so there's both sides to that coin, I guess, yeah. right there, you know. He loves you, loves you right to the end. Mm. I'll throw this out for you guys to think about, you know, that I had this thought recently because I first come to Alaska and, you know, I'm still a, I'm only believe there's a God for five months. So I didn't know the rules about being a Christian. You know, I thought you get them natural urges, you just go meet somebody and get natural, you know? And I had done that. And the next day I'm back at the Harley shop working on this bike, it was a 93 fat boy. I still remember the bike, silver. I'm doing a rocket box job on the thing, rocket, rocket gases. And as I'm doing it, these thoughts are coming in, like from the right hand side of my head, from the back going, you know what you did was wrong. You know you shouldn't have done that. You know, maybe you need to get humble. And finally, the thoughts kept coming at me, man. It kept coming. And finally, I was like, all right, already. I said it out loud, too. I said, all right, already. I said, look, I told you I was no good at this Christian thing, all right? I said, I was a bonehead when you found me. I'm still a bonehead. Get off my neck. I no more than said that. That Harley shop had a cinder block wall like that through the cinder block wall. 
I hear the audible voice of Jesus Christ. And he goes, I will deliver you for my great purpose. And it came with so much power, it scared the soup out of me. And man, I tightened that last rocker box bolt. I went up the third floor into the harness shop where I lived. I went in my room. I don't know why I did this. But when I went in, I put on the radio. As I walked by, and a preacher comes on the radio and goes, and David sinned with Bathsheba, and nobody knew. I said, oh, no. I said, the preacher on the radio knows. I said, I'm in big trouble with God. You know, I got across that room. Man, it's hard to explain this part to you. But there came in the room, it was a power. And it literally filled every crack in the room. The very air particles were filled with this power. As I'm saying, I can I can feel it. And send the very, like if we're sitting here, guys, that very empty space in front of you is filled with this power. And I knew it was so much power that any record that I ever existed could be wiped out. Mm. And man, I hit the ground on my hands and my knees and I was looking at the red rug down beneath me. And I said, oh man, I said, you a bad dude. And I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of what you could do to me. Mm. I no more than say that instantaneously, I'm no longer seeing the room anymore. But I'm seeing uh, like another reality, man. And I saw this beautiful ocean beach and these waves coming in. And I saw this massive giant rock sticking up out of the ocean on the left-hand side. And then all of a sudden, I see two arms appear in the sky. I could not see no body, but I could see them like from shoulder to fingertip. These arms, and one touched the western and the other the eastern horizon. And out of the sky spoke this voice, and it said, I love you this much. And then, boom, I was back to seeing the rug again. You know? And I, I realized one minute ago, woo, don't be wrong and get mouthy, because he'll show up in all his power. And when he does, you will understand what the fear of the Lord is, because you'll get down on the ground. You know what I'm saying? But instantaneously, once I got humbled, the prayer wasn't a fancy religious prayer. I'm sorry it's wrong. You are God. That wasn't no fancy religious prayer. You a bad dude, and I'm afraid of you. That was just acknowledging the truth. Yeah. I got down on the ground. You know what I'm saying? And then he backed it up with his love, though. Mm -hmm. And once again, it was his love that changed me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I had a realization and a thought, all right? I realized that maybe you get some theologian to disagree with me, but that's why we're outhouse theologians, <laughs> you know? Uh, I think part of hell is that any record that you ever existed has been wiped out, been erased. Your name wasn't writ in the book. Mm. And I think that's part of what hell is. And I think that I had this thought come to me, you know, you know, one of the things, God loves you even right to that moment that he asked to wipe your name out of existence. And I thought, what if part of hell is the last time you hear your name spoken is by the God who loved you and would have offered you redemption as he says to you, Child, bind him and cast him into outer darkness. And the last time you heard your name spoken was by the God who loved you and wanted to redeem you. I don't, you know, I don't know if you can back that up with the Bible or nothing, but, you know, <laughs> it's just the way I thought about it, you know. Uh, that doesn't put the fear in your eyes. That would be the worst thing to ever hear. 
You know, part of hell is that you're existing and your physicist would have a heyday with this, but you're existing in a state of absolute non-existence. Mm. There's a passage. I know there's a passage in there. It's in one of the ayahs, either Isaiah or, or Jeremiah or Nehemiah or one of the ayahs in there. Maybe it's in Zeke. I don't know. Daniel. I don't know. But I, can't, I know it's in there because I read it. And there's a passage in there that God says to Satan, I will make you as if you never existed. That'll blow your mind a little bit, huh? You know? Did we go far enough around? <laughs> I'm trying to think of which way to go now, because I, I mean, we could talk about hell somewhere and some different ideas, but for me, there's just a, a limited amount of value in it. So I think I, because I, there's some interesting ideas, some interesting concepts, but it's all like beyond what we can ever know. It is beyond what we have. And so I'm, I'm more like, okay, God, you made it. You're going to use it. Do what you want to do because I'm not going to try to pretend like I, I know anything about it. Yeah, I'm just going off of that one experience. But that's an interesting yeah, idea, well, you know, the, the end of existence. That's why I throw a what if. Let me ask you this real quick. Some people don't want to talk about the devil. But let me ask you this. If I never talked about the enemy that was in front of me when I was in the infantry, am I ever going to be able to confront that enemy? Mm. You have to recognize you have an enemy. Don't give him credit. Don't give him credit, mm -hmm. and don't give him glory. But for crying out loud, don't do his job for him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't believe the lie. We all go back to you know. Don't believe the lie, and you're doing his job for him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm ugly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't accept the the lie as your own personal truth. Yeah. Recognize that's a lie that's coming from a different place, yeah. not from my Creator. If I if I don't ever talk about him. Like I said before, look, if you can hear the voice of God, you can hear the voice of the devil. Mm. You just got to know how to talk back to him and let him know, hey, you a loser. <laughs> you a liar. I would like to say, look, don't make me tell my big brother on you. Because okay. Jesus come out and rattle them keys. Say, boy, you remember when I took these? You want some more of this? You know what I'm saying? That's my personal picture. But you see what I'm saying? So I don't want to deny his existence. I don't want to give him too much credit. But I don't want to deny that I don't have an enemy over here. Otherwise, I'm setting myself up for a whooping. You see? And that's one thing. This, how do you know if you're from the north or from the south? If you have southern influence in your life as a kid, you know how? Because if you're from the north, you got whippings. But if your dad was from the south, you got whoopings. You know? <laughs> as... As wonderful as the Bible is for us, it's also a book that was closed at some point in the past. But God has never identified himself throughout all of history except I am. He was never I was. So the moment that we decide God spoke once, and these are his words, and now we just hold on to this for dear life and, and try to survive the ride, we've already lost the connection with what he wants to do today. To me, the, the prophets of old, what God, God didn't stop speaking and his word didn't lose its power. So what he is saying today is going to be just as powerful as what he spoke back then. And his word is going to bring that same amount of life. And when he when he wants to, when he speaks out, like you said, you wanted to write down everything he said, is because these are living words. And it's no less powerful, no less revelatory than what happened way back then. If, if I can just get people to focus on those words, if you'll let me, I'll change your life for you. 
You think you're in control, but I tell you, I am. That's absolute right there, brother. I am. No matter what it looks like on the outside, no matter how, no matter if you couldn't see, I still am. I'm still functioning. I'm still moving. I'm still the same yesterday, today, and forever because it's all right now for me. You see what I'm saying? I'm just moving in the background where you can't see. But I am in control, and if you'll let me, I'll take you through this life. I'll do the things in you. I'll do the things to you, and then I'm going to do them through you. When I'm doing them through you, when I've done them in you and to you, your faith is going to grow and be phenomenal. Because then you go from the place to say, I don't believe Jesus is who he said he is. I know that he is. I found out there was a dude who wrote that in the Bible. A cat named Paul said, I know in whom I had believed. Mm. Now I know I've come, I've gone beyond belief to know. And see, that's the thing right there. I think that's kind of what you're saying. You can go right from I believe to I know. And when you've gone from believe to I know, that's when your eyes have been changed. You start to see things differently and you realize that it's God moving around you. Even, you know, there's a passage in there, man. He asked the angel, he said, hey man, what are these guys right here? And the angel goes, oh, them are the former spirits that go from their position before the throne of God. There were four chariots. One had a red horse, one a black, mm-hmm. one a gray, and I forget what the other, and a white horse. All right, a team of white horses. And they said, they patrol the earth. They go around to and fro. And this team right here that ain't left, they just wait for God to tell them to go. Now, let me ask you this. When was the last time that you seen a team of chariot horses riding around? You ain't seen mm-hmm. it. But the book says that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. There was an angel who who stood there, had been in heaven, knows what it looks like, and said, these guys come before the throne of God, and they patrol the earth. I'm telling you, it's like that old Leonard Skinner song. There are things going on that you don't know. You know, who knew you could preach for Leonard Skinner? (laughs) (laughs) Simple man, you know? But the value of that simplicity of being a simple man is that you respect what God said, and you don't try to add to it. I think a lot of prophecy in America today, even when they do hear from God, they try to, instead of bringing the simple word, they want to interpret it and and turn it into a sermon or turn it into Mm. something. But when he speaks and we speak his word, that allows him to do his work with the spirit, bringing it to each heart. And then, then my brother gets the revelation from the spirit when i said i didn't understand it i just said what god said and then it hits his heart and he's like hey that means this and god starts stirring up the the flame and among us but when (laughs) blowing on that coal i like that because my wife came home and shared a story with me you're 100 right dude i believe you i full-on agree with you in that Got to give you a word you might not understand, but when you give it to another brother, God blows on that coal and that thing becomes a flame in his heart. And then he goes, you know what I'm saying? And then that fire begins to spread, you know? My wife told me the story that she had gone to a teacher thing up in Anchorage and uh, and she runs into this lady who she had run into like more than, I think it was a year ago. And as she's walking by, she feels like God speaks to her and says, hey, I want you to tell this lady and then I want you to take the necklace from off your neck and give it to her. And at first she said she was hesitant and didn't want it, but then she said, oh, she turned around and went and did what God said. And she just ran into this lady recently, and the lady came to her and said, you have no idea how that impacted my life. 
And she said, because I have been saying, God, if you're really there, if you really care, would you send somebody? <laughs> you know? And my wife said, you're right. I had no idea. <laughs> 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 you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, it's not that God doesn't have enough power or nothing, but it's that he chose to work through us. And he's like, is anybody listening? Because there's mm -hmm. so many stories that he's wanting to, you know, he's wanting to reach that person. But who can he, like when he said to Isaiah, who can I send? And Isaiah, we don't know much about him before he became a prophet. I'm, he was just some ordinary guy. And he's like, looking around, he's getting desperate because he can feel that there, this word has to be spoken. Yeah. All right, I'm here, send me. <laughs> and that's what it takes. It doesn't take, you know, the, 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 the whole Christian process. It takes, here I am. It don't take great faith, just takes dumb faith. <laughs> Isaiah was just dumb enough to say, here I am, send me. Later he was, oh, man, did I not know what send me meant. You know, you know. So you look at, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the book, God makes Adam right, all right? We don't know how long Adam was in the garden before he brings him Eve, okay? But we do know he was there for quite a while because it said God brought to him all the animals and let him name him. I think two things right off. First off, if I'm God, I'm like, wait a minute. This is my creation. What if he names it wrong? It shows how he enjoys partnering with us in creative work. He wants to, he wanted to, he wanted Adam. No, Adam, see, this is my creation, but I want you to be part of it with me. I want you to come in it with me. And I love you so much that I'm willing to give you incredible liberty over my creation and let you name it. Adam comes out with hippopotamus. God's like, can you even spell that, man? Where do you get that? Bark, bark. What? You know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, but it does show he wanted to involve us in what he's doing from the very beginning. Yeah. yeah. It then that takes you to the point where you realize what was man created for? We were created for relationship. Yeah. We have that every time we get together hanging out here. We were created for relationship. And it's, it's woven everywhere. The verse says, all of nature speaks of me, right? In that passage, well, look, man, if we're created for relationship, God wanted relationship with us. He wanted to involve Adam what he's doing. He wants to involve you and me in what he's doing. But watch this now, man. Look, when you breathe out, what do you breathe out? Carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide. When you breathe out, we breathe out carbon dioxide. What do the trees breathe in? Carbon dioxide. When the trees breathe out, what do they breathe out? Fresh air. Oxygen, fresh air. What do you and I breathe in? Oxygen. That means we have a symbiotic relationship with the. He said, "Doesn't mean we're supposed to be tree huggers. It just means relationship is woven into the whole thing because that's what he wants." I heard a guy say recently, and I really liked it. Where it just said, "God said he he just wanted a family." You look at some families they're like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> You ain't looked at mine, you know. <laughs> I'm getting up. I have a great whatever, you know. It's amazing to me how, you know, God created man and he put him in the garden and he partnered with him and then man betrays him. Mm. And it's, you know, it's God's creation. Sin is going to enter into the world. It's going to make a big mess of everything. His whole universe is going to end up getting polluted, getting destroyed. And he's, he has to sit and watch and hear all of this going on. So, I mean, that's the only sensible thing to do is let's wipe it out. Let's start over. But he has compassion and he chooses to love knowing these guys are going to keep on betraying me. They're going to make a mess of all of this stuff. 
they're, they're not going to stop until they've destroyed everything I've built. But I'm still going to love them because, like, like going back to Jesus, putting his hand down in the wasteland and pulling out these jewels because these are worth it to me. I'm going to choose to love these in the yeah. name of all. Yeah. And he didn't want robots. He wanted us to have that <laughs> imagination and our own free will and that right to choose life or death. You can't have a relationship with a robot. Robot does whatever you tell it, you know. That's and that's why he hid evil from them. Here is everything that is good and pleasant and do whatever you want with it. And it was impossible for them to sin because they had absolute innocence. So they could do anything and it was okay. But as soon as they knew, then they had to be making these choices and judging and messing and messing everything. Right. Up. 